0: The Supreme Court began its new term this week with a full panel of nine justices, including Trump's man, Neil Gorsuch. One of the crucial cases they heard this week on Tuesday is one from Wisconsin challenging the state's political gerrymandering. That was a key factor in Trump winning Wisconsin and the nation last November. For an update, we turn to our man on voting rights, Ari Berman. He wrote the award-winning book, Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America. He's a fellow at the Nation Institute, and he covered voting rights for the nation for a long time. Now he's a senior editor at Mother Jones. We reached him today in Washington, D.C. Ari, welcome back.
1: Hey, John, good to talk to you again. Thank you for having me, even though I'm now in enemy territory. (laughs) Wait, you'll
0: you'll never be an enemy of ours. So today, we're recording this on Tuesday. What have you been doing today in our nation's capital?
1: So uh, on Tuesday morning uh, at 10 a.m., I covered a very important uh, partisan gerrymandering uh, case. Basically, uh, Wisconsin passed one of the most extreme partisan gerrymanders in the country that was designed to give Republicans a majority in the state legislature and the U.S. House, essentially, for a decade. Uh, And that's exactly what has occurred. That gerrymander was challenged by Democrats. The map was struck down by a district court in 2016, and then it went to the Supreme Court And so the issue here is not only Wisconsin's maps, but whether or not the Supreme Court is going to rule against or create some new standard against partisan gerrymandering in the future.
0: You say the Wisconsin maps were extreme political gerrymandering. How extreme are they?
1: Very extreme. Just to give you one example, in 2012, Barack Obama carried Wisconsin by seven points. So the state went pretty solidly blue but Republicans won 60 of 99 seats in the state legislature over 60% of the seats. So we have a situation in Wisconsin and this has also been the case elsewhere that Republicans are getting a minority of votes in Wisconsin but they're getting a huge majority of seats. And it's been described as one of the most extreme gerrymanders in modern American history. But the thing is, Wisconsin is not just an aberration. This has been done by Republicans all across the country, whether it was in North Carolina or Pennsylvania or Ohio, and it's honestly been done by Democrats in Maryland and Illinois. It's just that Democrats control many, many fewer seats than Democrats do when it comes to gerrymandering.
0: Now, we're talking about political gerrymandering, adjusting districts to benefit one political party. The Supreme Court for decades now has said that racial gerrymandering is unconstitutional. You can't reduce black voting strength by confining black voters to a few districts, by drawing geographical uh, boundaries for legislative seats in the state legislatures and and in Congress. But the court has never said political gerrymandering is unconstitutional. It's been as American as apple pie, you might say. Tell us a little about its history and why the Supreme Court has stayed away from it.
1: So gerrymandering dates back to 1812, when there was uh, a gerrymander by the by the name of Eldridge Jerry, and the the press in Massachusetts said it looked like a salamander, and that's it became <laughs> known as a gerrymander. So it's been going on for a long time, but it's gotten a lot worse because of because of one party control, uh, because of uh, partisan bias, and also because the technology has become so much more sophisticated. You can figure out. If you're in a, a Democrat in a democratically controlled state, you can figure out how to surgically reduce representation to as many Republicans as possible, or vice versa. And that's what we saw in Wisconsin. They ran all the data as many times as possible, and they figured out how they could produce a map that wouldn't just benefit in Republicans in one election cycle, but would benefit them from for a decade or more. And under the Voting Rights Act, there's clear standards for when minorities are being disadvantaged in the political process. There are not the same standards for partisan gerrymandering because a lot of people think that in gerrymandering is inherently partisan and political. But what the plaintiffs in this case, which are Democrats in Wisconsin are saying is if gerrymandering goes too far in one direction, then it should be struck down. And that would create limits on gerrymandering in both red and blue states and I think it would be a lot better for democracy.
0: So Wisconsin uh famously introduce some of the most extreme kinds of voter suppression in voter ID laws that you and I have talked about here more than once. This case is not directly about voter disfranchisement, vote suppression, vote ID laws, or or is it? Well, it's about... Voting rights in a different kind of way. It's about a lack of
1: representation. So, Wisconsin has really done everything in their power to diminish democracy. They have passed a, a very strict voter ID law that disenfranchised tens of thousands of voters, and they have also passed one of the country's worst redistricting maps. So, they said, uh, basically at the same time they did these two things they said we are going to make it harder for our political opponents to have access to the ballot and we're also going to ensure that our majorities are secure as possible that if somehow people can overcome voter id and all of the other limits on access to the ballot well they still aren't going to have a choice in most legislative districts because they're so gerrymandered so Wisconsin has really gone you know this better than anyone john is someone who's from minnesota Wisconsin has gone from a laboratory of democracy a country that's historically expanded voting rights like Minnesota to a country that is a laboratory for how to restrict democracy. And I think that's a very, very sad turnaround in recent years.
0: And I understand it's not just the state legislature. According to the Brennan Center for Justice, Uh, Across the nation, there are 16 or 17 Republican seats in the House of Representatives that are the result of extreme partisan bias in the drawing of district lines. Of course, the Democrats need to retake 24 seats in the House, and if 16 or 17 of those are unfairly apportioned, uh, that becomes extremely significant.
1: It becomes very significant because there are up to 22 seats. In the Congress that Republicans hold because of gerrymandering, and Democrats need 24 to take back the House. So basically, they're running a very, very uphill battle. Let's say this is a football game, and you have to go 100 yards. Republicans are starting on the 75-yard line when it comes to keeping the House and keeping state legislatures. Yeah, it's possible something could go wrong. That Democrats could that there's an overwhelming wave. But right now, the current forecast by one analyst for the House, have Democrats winning 54% of the vote statewide and only getting 47% of the seats in the House. And that is the definition of a rigged election. If you get the most votes, you should get the most seats. And that's not what's happening around the country because of gerrymandering.
0: So the case that the Supreme Court heard arguments on today focuses on the issue of how extreme does gerrymandering have to be before the courts say it's a violation of the Constitution? I guess it's an equal protection violation. Is that the argument that's being made?
1: There's two arguments. One is that it's an equal protection violation. And one is that it's a first amendment um, violation. And is- this is uh, so important because the court, at least the conservative members, and I think even Justice Kennedy, is reluctant to weigh in here because they don't know where you draw the line. Will every single gerrymander in the country be challenged? Will the Supreme Court have 50 new state and legislative maps to have to adjudicate in 2020? Where do you draw the line? But basically, what the plaintiffs in the case are saying is that when things are so obviously bad, I mean, the situation in Wisconsin, where Republicans win 49% of the vote but pick up 61% of the seats, and there's no uh, nothing else justifies that other than partisanship, then you should be able to figure out a way to to get rid of the most extreme maps, uh, which at least would curb the worst abuses in Wisconsin, in North Carolina, in other states. It's never going to be like a great paradise as long as politicians are drawing their own maps, and that's why I think we need independent redistricting commissions. But in short of that, they could certainly uh, strike down the worst laws, and and that would act as a deterrent to states in the future when they decide how they're going to gerrymander. Because it's all going to happen again in 2020 after the next census comes out.
0: Independent redistricting commissions, this is what California has and several other states. How would that work? And is that something that the Supreme Court might uh, might put into practice uh, as a result of this case?
1: I, I don't think the Supreme Court's going to tell states how to do redistricting. Um, but I, I think that, like, I don't know... How it works in California, but at least in Iowa, where I'm from, there's been an independent commission, and they basically they draw the state maps, and they're respected. Politicians don't interfere with them, and and that's just how it goes. Now, this is a little bit more complicated in states that are more uh, demographically diverse, but nonetheless, you can do it, Um, and there's no reason why uh, politicians should be drawing their own districts. I mean, it's an inherent conflict of interest, no matter who's in charge. There are people, whether they are retired judges. Or whether they're administrators or whether they're members from both parties that should be able to agree on how to do this uh, in, a, in a more fair way. Because what we learned in Wisconsin is that the maps were drawn in, in such an unfair way that any other map drawn by anybody else would have been far more fair.
0: Now we get to the big question what will the supreme court do how will the justices vote you were there this morning there's four liberals there's four conservatives and then there's justice kennedy who's sort of in the middle uh, this whole thing comes down to what does justice kennedy want did you get any clues today tuesday when you uh, when you observed the supreme court arguments
1: We got some clues. Uh, I remember covering the Voting Rights Act oral argument in 2013 when the Supreme Court eventually struck down the Voting Rights Act and it was clear from the very beginning that Kennedy was not a swing vote in that case. That he was very hostile to the Voting Rights Act. In this case he was much more of a swing vote. He basically asked the lawyers of the state of Wisconsin um, could gerrymandering be a First Amendment violation? Meaning, uh, could it violate the right to free speech? And could people be denied uh, free speech rights by being denied representation, such as Democrats in Wisconsin? Uh, he asked the state, "What if the overriding concern was drawing uh, a district to benefit uh, party X or Y? Couldn't that be a standard for for eliminating redistrict for eliminating gerrymandering?" And he he also said that he didn't ask any questions of the plaintiffs bringing the case, he he focused all his questions on the state of Wisconsin, which is revealing, because usually the conservative justices question the liberal witnesses and vice versa.
0: Let me just inject here, the state of Wisconsin is defending the current system of gerrymandering in this case. Exactly. The state
1: of Wisconsin is defending the current system of gerrymandering, and Kennedy only questioned them. The fact that he didn't question the people challenging the map suggested that Either number one, he'd been persuaded, which it didn't seem like he was, or number two, he didn't really have questions about how their process was going to work. He really wanted Wisconsin to defend its own maps. Now, it's very possible that Kennedy decides that he doesn't want to enter this debate, uh, that he thinks that this is too much of a can of worms to open up. That even though he finds gerrymandering distasteful and realizes that these maps were were, were gerrymandered to benefit the Republicans, he doesn't he doesn't want uh, to get to get into all of this. He wants it to be left to the states. It's also possible that he feels like he's Things have gotten so bad, it's so obvious uh, that, that he decides to rule with the liberals, or he tries to find some sort of middle ground. Um, but he does seem, at least on this case, to be a pure swing vote. Uh, no one else seemed to be, uh, at, at the least, but undecided. Justice Thomas didn't speak, so I, I don't know about him. Um, but certainly the four liberals and then the three other, uh, the, the three other conservatives that did speak, uh, they're, they were very clear in terms of their opinions.
0: And when will we hear something from the Supreme Court on this?
1: Most likely we're going to hear something next year. Uh, And that'll be interesting because it's going to be in in the middle of the 2018 elections, and then uh, we're going to be entering, soon enough, the whole next round of redistricting after 2020. So, this is a case that that could have, if it's decided uh, in, in a broad way, very, very important national ramifications.
0: Ari Berman. Read him now at motherjones.com. Ari, thanks for talking with us today. Thanks so much, John. Good to talk to you again.